Grace from God our Father and peace through the knowledge and blood of Jesus. May it be with us this evening and forever. Amen. I'd like to read tonight from the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, starting with verse 22 and reading through verse 33. This is the account of Jesus coming to his disciples on the water and also of Peter's step of faith. Matthew 14, verse 22, and we read in the name of Jesus. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save us. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And then then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Amen. We have heard that Jesus has come into this world and that he has come to save lost sinners such as we are. And sometimes we have the understanding and the idea that when we become children of God, that our life is going to be very smooth from that point on. Sometimes in the teaching of religion there is that type of a understanding that when we come to know the Lord that all of our problems are gone And that we travel through this life as charmed people, not knowing any difficulty. And and if we have come to that type of a place in the beginning part of our Christian experience, we surely are in for a rude awakening, aren't we? Because that's just not the way it is. That it is through this life that it is a difficult journey that God's people walk in, because we have a threefold enemy that is still with us, that the devil is very much alive and working his hardest, and that this world is there, and world not only means the enticements of it, but the whole thinking of the world and society that wars against that which is born of God's word. It is the reason of the mind which is always contrary and is something that we always have to battle with and fight with. And of course then, they, all, they have a willing accomplice in, in our own flesh. 
who remains with us. Even after we become Christians, we still carry this bag of sin with us that is always willing to be a partaker in that which is wrong with the devil and also with the world. And so the life of the Christian and the travel of the Christian is often one that's marked by difficulty. And we go through this life then in battle after battle. And I don't mean to say this, that we would become so depressed thinking about this warfare, that we would say that it's that life that the Christians have, that it must be such a terrible life that who would ever want to be a Christian? But you know, this life that we live then when we know the enemy and we recognize the enemy, it's all the more wonderful then to know the Savior and to know the, the victory and the power that we have in this life when we know Him as He really is. Because He didn't only come here to be a Savior unto us, but He also is our Lord. And He is the one that we serve in this life. And He is the one that comes and lives and abides with us. And it's, as the Scripture says, He makes His abode with us. And He comes to reign within us. And He is greater. The one that comes and lives within us is greater than He that is in the world. And what a blessing and what a wonderful assurance it is to know that the same Jesus who gave His life on Calvary to save your soul and mine so that we could be with Him in heaven is the same Savior that comes to live and abide with us and to give us strength in this journey and to battle this battle for us so that within us so that we can overcome and that we can be victorious in this life and that we do not have to remain in the clutches of sin and also in the clutches of despair thinking that we will never be successful in this life against the threefold enemy. But it is that way that because life is marked with difficulty that God knows for each one of our lives because He knows us very intimately. And He knows what is necessary in your life and He knows what is necessary in mine. And you know, we can look at each other's lives and it's not really a good thing to do because then we start to compare our journeys and we start to compare our hardships and our difficulties and and if we're having a very difficult life, we might say that, well, why is it that God has given me such a difficult place and such a difficult journey through this life? And, and my friends, they seem to just travel through life with a life of ease and they don't have any problems or difficulties at all. But we should always remember that we would look unto Jesus in this matter individually and not begin to compare ourselves or our lives or our journeys to someone else's and say, why me? But we should always, because when we know the eternal gift of God, and we know that what Jesus has gone through to save our souls so that we can be His preciously redeemed children, that we would then, when we encounter difficulty in our life, we would say, why not me? Why shouldn't I suffer some in this life? When there is one who has suffered so much for me that He gave Himself, so that by the shedding of His blood that our sin can all be removed, and that we can have a wonderful hope of eternal life even tonight. Why not? Why, isn't, why shouldn't it be that way that we should have some difficulty here on this journey? And we have to entrust this unto the keeping of God. Because He knows your life and He knows mine. And He knows my heart and He knows yours. And He knows the places that we are very vulnerable in, each one of us. And we have different areas of vulnerability where the devil wants to come and attack us. And so often then, 
the chastisement that God puts upon His children is for that very reason. It's for preservation. So that we would be preserved in a living and true faith. And that we would be able then to see that God knows. He knows very well what we need in life. And that it would have one result. It's not the result that the devil comes and tells us that God gives us hardship in our life so that we would want to say that God isn't a good God anymore. That He's a God that doesn't love us and He's a God, in fact, that He actually hates us because He brings us so much problems in our life. The devil says that I want to create doubt within your mind that this God has come and saved you. He has forgiven your sin, but now He's brought you to a place and He has said, let me see if you can make it to heaven. Have you ever thought that, that there would be a God who would do that type of a, a ploy with man, that He would save, our, our, save us, forgive us our sins and say that salvation is yours, but then say that, let me see if you can make it to heaven, let me see if you're good enough and let me see if you're strong enough on your own. No, God's people have never experienced that. But we have always found that there it is in great weakness that we travel through this journey. And the chastisement that God gives unto His people is for one reason, that our hearts would be drawn closer and closer to Him. That we would be knit unto Him so close that even through the problems of life, that we would find that there is no other refuge, that there is no other place that we can turn, even in our own struggles, daily struggles of life, because we all have them, than to be joined unto Him. And that we would have to cry unto Him as we often do in the middle of the night, don't we? When we wake from our sleep and we ask God in the darkness of the night that oh would you keep me would you keep my heart and would you keep my soul and would you save me for eternity because there's often so that way within our hearts and our lives isn't it that doubts and fears assail us as God's people that we're often in that type of a place that we wonder if we will make it to heaven but it's so wonderful then that we are able to turn unto the promise of God's Word. And as we have even heard this afternoon, that He says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. That there is a God that has loved us with an eternal blessed love, a love that goes unto the shores of eternity. And so we have a situation here that we have read of, where the disciples of the Lord were put into a place where they began to fear and forget. And this place in the scripture, of course, follows right after where they had experienced wonderful things. And isn't that the way it is? That in their life they had been to the time where they had gathered together and many of the people had followed after Jesus. And after they had followed after him and, and had been with him, they then said that, well, we don't have anything to eat. And isn't that common for men? That he gets so excited about some sort of a situation or happening that he doesn't even make provision for himself. But the good God of heaven, he looks down upon man in the poor planning of man and he provides for them. And Jesus took, took that, the fishes and the bread that that little boy had brought. Well, there was one boy who was prepared and he brought that food along with him. And as he brought it there, and Jesus then said unto his disciples, is there anything to eat? And, and they said unto him that there, well, there's just this small amount of food that this young lad has. And Jesus said, says to bring it unto me. And they brought the, the bread and the fish unto, unto Jesus and he told them all to sit down. And that's just the way it has to be. You know, we have to come to a place that, like it says in the scripture that we have to be still and know that I am God. 
We do not understand the power of God or not, or not, are not able to experience the power of God until we're quieted ourselves. That we're quieted in our hearts and our minds. When our effort ceases, then God begins to work. And so it is that the stilling effect needs to take place within the heart of man. And as he told them to sit down, he then blessed that bread and that, those fish. And we all remember the story well of how there was 12 baskets that remained after all of the people had been filled. They distributed the food unto all the people, the disciples, and they were all fed. You would think coming off of an experience like that, that these people would be, would be so on fire and so filled with the goodness and the wonder of God that there would be nothing that would destroy their confidence in God. But they are no different than we are, are they? Hasn't it been that experience even of God's people, and I'm sure of you also, as it has been with me, that we have been to the place where we have experienced the greatness of the riches of God and perhaps have been in a gathering even such as this, and God has spoken to our hearts, and we have been refreshed in the hearing of God's Word. And we have been encouraged and we have had a real strong confidence towards God. And we have woke up the next morning after the, ser after the service and we have found ourselves in the very pit of hell. That it seems that we go from the height of heaven to the lowest bottom of hell in just an overnight experience because of the emotions and the feelings of man. But isn't that a great thing when the scripture tells us that we're not saved by what we feel? that we are not saved by that which we experience and feel in our daily lives, in our minds, in our emotions. Because if it was, it would be that way for each one of us, that we would be in God's kingdom one minute, and then the next minute or the next hour later, we would be outside of the kingdom of God because of how we felt or what we were feeling like that day. But salvation is not dependent upon that which man feels, but it is dependent upon what God has done. And so then our eyes, even in our weakness and our feelings like they are, so up and down, and our weak eyes then have to be turned unto that place, the steadfast place to where the enemy was defeated. And we're brought unto the cross of Calvary, where we are then able to again be refreshed and strengthened in knowing that the enemy has been defeated and that salvation has been purchased for us and that it has been offered unto us and has been received into our hearts as a gift of grace. And there with that gift of grace within our hearts then, that eternal gift, then we speak like the forefathers did, where we come to the full assurance of faith. Because remember, it is that way that the just shall live by faith. We shall not live by feelings anymore. Well, then you say, well, what happens when I can't believe? Because we find that too, don't we? There's times that as God's people, we wonder that, that even, am I a child of God? It seems that faith is so far removed from us that we can't even begin to believe that we're God's children. But then the Bible also tells us, you know, if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. And so even all the stepping stones and all the structure that God has created for the believer, if even those things are removed, and they oftentimes are from the hearts and the minds of God's people, it still comes back to that solid rock which is none other than Jesus Christ himself, a rock that cannot be moved. A rock that we want to always be able to point unto and to have for our surety. Not only here in life, but even in eternity. When you go to heaven's shore, and it would be asked of you when, we, when you enter into heaven, that what is the reason that you can enter here? There would be none of us, I'm sure, that would want to point to our own feelings 
or unto our own work or unto anything that we have done and say that perhaps this is acceptable to give us entrance into heaven. Lord, would you look upon this with favor? It's not written that way at all. But each one of us, when we gather at that point, and it'll be asked, if it would be asked of us, that why should you have entrance into heaven? Each one of us will point unto the Lord and Savior and say, this is the reason that we are here. This is the reason that we are able to say that we are worthy to enter into here. Because He has come and He has given Himself for us. He has come and He has known us in our infirmity and our sin. And He has come then and purchased us with a price of blood so that we are able to know life and salvation. And not only for this life, but for that eternal life to come. That's the type of confidence that God's Word will place within our hearts. And even if, like we said, that we don't, aren't able to believe, then we just say that God is true, and God has said, and God has saved. And in on that foundation then of God's Word and His promise, then we stand. But oftentimes it is that way, as it says in the Scripture, that the just shall live by faith. And so it is that after this great thing had happened, Jesus then constrained His disciples to get into a ship. They weren't able to stay in this great gathering, even as at the end of these services, if God is so good to us to grant us the time to be together, and that He would open His Word unto us, and we would be able to feast upon the fatted calf. When these services are over, we have to go to our own places. And it's a cold world. And we have to leave from the gathering of God's people. And oftentimes from the warm fellowship of Christian friends. And we have to go back to the place in, in our own place in this world. And we go on with life as it is. It's a nice oasis in, on the travel, isn't it? But that's what it is. That God draws His people together. And He feeds us. And He gives us strength and food for the journey. But we have to stop if God permits. And so it is that after this great happening of the feeding of the 5,000 was over, Jesus constrained his disciples. He told them to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. It says here that he's talked specifically about his disciples. And he then says that the multitudes were sent away. And this does not pertain to them anymore. I don't know what condition they were in, it doesn't say, but he just says that the multitudes were turned away. And God's care and this whole instance in the Bible speaks about those who are the disciples of God, those who are his own, those that he cares about, and those that he loves, those that he wants to care for. And he sends them before him, told him to get in, told them to get into a ship, to go before him onto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. And sometimes we think, you know, as God's people, that when we are then removed away from the great happenings and the great feelings and the wonderful feeding that we have around the Word of God, that it seems then that we are left alone and we're not able to partake anymore. And it seems that Jesus leaves us. But isn't it just like this scripture says, that Jesus left them, but he left them for a reason. And it says that he went, he went into a mountain apart for one reason, he went to pray. Do you ever think that we're far from the Savior's mind or from his thoughts? I have to believe that that Jesus, who knows all things and who is such a great God, and who is able to 
not, is not limited at all by like the mind of man, but has perfect knowledge of each one of our situations even today, and not only us, but of all people on this earth. That His care, and He is able to care for each one just as He needs to. And so He is maybe removed away from us in feeling. But I believe that Jesus is there, and He is very concerned with your well-being tonight as He is with mine. And He knows what is going on within your heart, and He knows what's going on within mine. And He's concerned about it. And He wonders. And then He prays, and He starts to speak unto the Father. Because we understand, as the Scripture tells us, that Jesus rose from the grave, and He ascended into heaven, and He, even today, intercedes for His children here on earth. And so, whatever struggle you may be having in your heart even tonight, no matter where you may be journeying within your heart tonight, you can believe that Jesus is standing before the Father, or He's at His right hand, as the Scripture tells us. And He's saying unto them, and He's personally speaking about you to the Father. You know, there is so much that goes on in the communication between the Son and the Father and between His own that we have no idea about. We live this life, this little secluded life with our minds and we think we are so smart. But we really don't have any concept of what God's care is for His people. But it is that way when Jesus said that I and the Father are one. And when you are called unto the Father, when the Father draws you and we are drawn through the Son into this relationship that we become one with Him in this life already. And so if we become one with Christ in this life, then He is very concerned about us. And He takes very good care about of us, even though we don't understand and do not see it happening. The protection that we have in this life, the protection that we have even physically as people, that we don't have you know, just a small glimpse of the, of the blessing and the protection that God gives for His children. It's such a small glimpse that we have. But yet we know that unless God would keep His protecting hand upon us, there would be none of us that would be able to stand, that the devil would come and that he would devour us and that he would want to take us and to tear us from this relationship with Christ. But God, who is much greater than the devil, and Jesus Himself then says that He preserves us in a living and true faith. And so it is that He then speaks, even as He did here, and He went to pray. And I have to believe that He was praying for the disciples there. But remember, He's an eternal God. And He's not measured by time like we are. And He knew us even here tonight. Isn't it nice to think that Jesus in this prayer doesn't say who He was praying for. But I like to believe that He was praying for me. And that He was praying for my family. And I think for each of you, you would want to have that same type of a thought, don't you? That Jesus prays for you, and that He cares about you. And I think we can know, with the assurance of God's Word, that He is very much concerned about us, and that He speaks to the Father in our behalf. Jesus was there alone. In verse 24 it says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Well, what happens? That as these disciples had been sent by Jesus to go ahead of him across the sea, he wanted to teach them a very important lesson. But also, it is the same for us, as it is that we are left here 
that we come to an understanding of salvation through the revelation of Christ. And that the Holy Ghost comes to live and abide within us and we journey on here. And like we said, but oftentimes it feels like we are doing this alone, not thinking that Jesus is here with us. But Jesus is here even though we are not able to see Him. But we don't understand that and we don't feel that. But we're in that ship of faith, aren't we? As these disciples were. And the winds start to become very contrary. The wind starts to blow and what happens when the wind starts to blow? The waves become very high and they become very strong. And I think you know what I'm talking about, don't you? When the waves and the wind start to become and the storms of life start to blow upon even our little ship. And we wonder if we are going to be able to be successful. It causes doubt to come into our minds. The difficulty of, of this life experience, the difficulty, perhaps someone's experiencing difficulty in family life even, or whatever it may be, that there is some type of a difficulty that you are experiencing, that you wonder, does God know and does He care? songwriter says, does Jesus care? Does he care? And then the chorus says, oh yes he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are dreary, the long nights weary, I know my Savior cares. And so it is for our lives even. It's not only for our salvation, but for our life that the Savior cares. And when the cold winds of this world are blowing, and the waves are becoming so very big. You can be assured that the Savior cares. But are you able to believe it? No, we're not able to. Because it just seems like it's so far removed from our own life and from our own being. But what is the reason that the Lord allows this to happen? It's only for one reason. That we would be drawn closer to Him. And to find that our only place and refuge in life is in Him and what He is. The being of Christ Himself. And so it is, it says in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Jesus does not leave us alone forever. But he, sums, he comes and He starts to walk towards us. Even in our lives, it is that way, that He is w very well aware of what is happening. And then He starts to walk towards us, and starts to come and to speak unto us. And He wants to visit us with that type of his visitation that would be of good cheer. And so it is that he starts to walk on the sea to them. And of course, this is something that man has never done. We know that we could try that ourselves, go and try walk on water. And we would find, of course, just because of the weight and the way the, the structure of water, that man instantly sinks to the bottom of it. But Jesus, of course, being that he was the creator, he is above everything, even of nature that he comes and he starts to walk upon the water. And he is coming across this sea towards these disciples, walking on the sea. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Well, Jesus didn't come to them in the ordinary fashion that man would understand. And it's often that way in our lives too, isn't it? We've got this little in-a-box type of way that Jesus should be for us. You know, and He should come to us in a certain way. He should speak to us in a certain way. He should be just in a way that we recognize Him. But He's not like that, is He? Jesus will come to us however He wants to, because He's God. 
And just as He had power over the sea, He has power over every element and everything that is in life. And so He will come and He will show him to show Himself to us just as He wants to. And it's not always as we think He should. In fact, more often than not, it's just the opposite. As He's walking on the water... They were troubled and they said, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. The first thing he recognized in his disciples was their fear. And what's the first thing he does? He says, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's someone here tonight that has fear in your heart because of situation of life or circumstance of life that you can be assured that the Lord wants to speak to you the same message. Don't be afraid. Be calm in your soul. And the only reason that he is able to say that is because he's able to back it up. It would be different for us sometimes to tell someone, and often we do, someone comes and talks to us about problems in life, and they might talk about a certain situation, and we tell them, don't worry about it, it's going to be okay. We have no idea if it's going to be okay. But God knows if it's going to be okay. And so when He comes unto us and He speaks, by His Word and by His Spirit, He tells us it's going to be alright. Don't be afraid. That we can find that that voice of the Good Shepherd is something that we hear and we recognize. Like the Scripture says, the voice of a stranger we will not follow and we will not hear. So if the devil comes and he tells us that don't be afraid, we would not recognize that voice because it's not the shepherd's voice. But the voice of the Good Shepherd is one that we recognize because we're the sheep. And our ear has been attuned to Him. We have heard Him long before we even started to listen that it was that way that He started to call to us. And we heard that voice. Then finally when our hearing was opened and we started to hear that voice that started to call us out of sin and darkness. Call us unto Himself. Call, him un call us unto His kingdom where we would experience righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And when we were drawn unto this kingdom, we became very attuned to that voice. And you recognize it, don't you? When the Good Shepherd speaks unto you, even in these services, you know His voice. Because it answers. The Spirit of God within you testifies with your spirit and confirms it that you are the children of God. That's a wonderful assurance. Somebody might say, though, well, how do you know you're a Christian? Well, how do you explain that? It's just that when God speaks unto you, it answers in your heart, and you're able to say that, yes, I, I know because God speaks to me, as, and He speaks to me as His child. And it answers with my spirit, and I know then that it's the voice of the Good Shepherd. Jesus came unto the disciples, and He said, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. The Lord is always looking to cheer up the downhearted people. He's always looking to uplift us, in our faith. Uplift us in our lives so that we would not remain down in a place that where we would be wallowing in ourselves in self-pity or depression or whatever it may be. That He wants to lift us up to a place of where we would have a joy in salvation and also a joy in the relationship with Him. Because as we have heard that His kingdom goes forth by what means? It's by the speaking of the Word and by Christians outliving our lives and speaking to one another. That's how His kingdom is furthered. Well, how can that happen if we are self-consumed? It can't. 
Why would someone want to come and join a group of people and join a church, just to say, to put it in that terminology, if all they see are self-pitying people? But they are looking for something that has life and hope in it. And that's what they find when Jesus comes within the hearts of the people. And He lifts us up and says, You can be of good cheer, because I have purchased salvation for you, and I am going to be with you to the end of the journey. And I have heard testimony from many of you, even in the few short days we have been here, where you speak unto me, and you have confirmed that same feeling within your hearts, how glad you are to be a Christian. And even with tears in your eyes, you have said, what a wonderful place it is that I can be a child of God. And what a joyous message it has been, even for my heart, to cheer my heart, to know that there are Christians even here that long to know Jesus and long to walk with Him and long to be encouraged on this way of life. Because we often become so self-centered, don't we? And we need one another and we need Christian brothers and sisters of faith to encourage us and to tell us that yes, it's good, uh, we can be encouraged by one another on this way of faith. Encouraged in the situations that we are in so that we would be able to believe. And so it is, that it's a message of good cheer that Jesus gives unto his own. It is I, be not afraid. Well, what happens then? Peter then answers him and says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. Peter the bold one. Well, right away he says, if it's you, kind of saying that he really didn't believe it was him. Lord, if it be thou, bid me, ask me to come out onto the water unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, Come. Isn't that a great statement right there? One verse. Come. How often have you asked, Lord, are you there? Are you really there in my life? It seems like it's been such a dark night. It's been such a long time. If you're there, speak to me. And as be told to Peter, Come. One word, Come. The welcoming invitation of the Lord, as he spoke unto, unto Peter here, is the same thing he says unto each heart tonight that says, Lord, is it really you? He says, come. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. For what reason? He says, I want to give you rest. I want you to rest from your labors and come into my eternal rest and come to experience the power that I have in myself that is so much greater than your weak-kneed power that you have. Where you think you can fight against the devil, the world, and your own flesh by yourself. You can't do it. Is that a hard lesson to learn or what? It's so often, and we have to learn that over and over and over again. But again tonight, he says, come. He says unto Peter, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Can you imagine what was going on in Peter's mind right then? Here Peter has asked the Lord to give me the invitation. The Lord says one word and it empowers him. Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Come. And Peter steps out on the water. Have you ever thought about that? What it would be like to just step out in faith because that's what this is talking about. To step out in faith in any situation where the Lord says, come. You know, and I know that's happening with somebody or some people here today because it's 
it's always that way. That we're all in some situation of life at some time or another where you don't know what the outcome is going to be, do you? And the Lord says, come. Come. And you don't know what's going to happen. Did Peter think he was going to be able to stay on top of the water? Perhaps he didn't even think about that. All he heard was the invitation of the Lord, come. And so he stepped off the boat. It seems like such a foolish thing to do. But you know, many times the things that we are asked to do by the Lord seem so foolish to the mind of man. They're so contrary to human reason. The whole of salvation is contrary to human reason. That if you want to pay for it, you can't have it. And that's the way salvation is. And it's something that we wrestle with time and time and time again all through our lives. That, Lord, you have saved me. You said you have saved me with a free gift of grace. But yet the devil comes and he says that, you know, it's not that. There's got to be something. There's got to be something. There's got to be something that you do. Yeah, faith is important, but there's got to be something a little bit different. That God wouldn't just take you just as you are. But that's the message of salvation. You know, it's just as we are. That we're able to come. The message is right now, come just as you are. You can't make yourself better. You can't make yourself good enough. Maybe there's a lot of sin in your lives. I don't know. But the message of Christ is the same. It says, come. And I'm going to make this all right. Because I am the one that have the power and the authority from the Father to do that. And I have performed that which is able to make you whole. And so it is that Peter was come down to the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Oftentimes we're asked, who was it that walked on water? We say it's Jesus. But remember, Peter did too. Peter did walk on water. He didn't continue walking on water, but he did walk on water. And so it is that what happened, in verse 30 it tells us, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Have you ever experienced this? When you have felt the power of God, we have prayed to God for power in a dark moment, and God has granted you the invitation that, yes, I'm going to be with you, step out in faith. You've stepped out, you've started, and it started to go just like God had said it would go, and you believed it, and then all of a sudden you start to see the waves again. And how quickly the promise of God is forgotten. And the power that God has given is forgotten. How quickly as frail people we start to sink back into ourselves because we look at the elements. And what happens? Our eye is taken off of who? It's taken off of Jesus. And that's what this whole thrust of this message is, is that there is strength in one place for salvation and for life. And that strength is found in the Lord. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And he began to sink, and beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. I don't know about you, but I've experienced this so many times in life. Oh, I'm going to make it. God, Lord gives us strength, and we step out. I'm going to be strong against some temptation or some sin. And we start to boldly walk out. And it's, as soon as we start to feel that, yes, I'm going to be powerful, that I'm not going to doubt anymore, I'm going to be faithful. And what happens? It's not long after. Because of the elements, we start to sink. Who do we turn to? We're no different than Peter. Lord, save me. Now, 
What type of God do we have? What type of Savior have you come to know? It is that way that here we see the heart of Jesus. How often times in your life when someone has, has made a mistake and they've promised to do better and do better and you have thought that, that, you know, I'll give them one more chance. One more chance. But after that, it's over. Have you ever thought how Jesus has been towards us in our lives? How many times He has assured us by experience and by testimony and by word that He is faithful that He is powerful and that He'll be with us. How many times have we in our lives then begin to look at the elements and started to sink in the water again? Lord, save me. And what have you found? I think your experience has been the same as Peter's is, was here. As he heard, as he started to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth His hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Jesus chides him for his lack of faith, but that doesn't stop the action of his hand as he reaches out immediately, it says, and he pulls Peter to himself. And this is the heart of God towards his children. He is long-suffering towards us. He is forbearing towards us. That even in our weakness of life, and even in our lack of faith, and the times and the places and the situations of life where it seems like that we're so quick to fall again, and so quick to doubt that which God has promised unto us. When we say, Lord, save us, immediately the hand of God comes out, and He picks us up again, and He starts to assure us, you know, that's the way we're going to make it to heaven. It's not because we have come, become so strong, and that in this strength, that we're going to journey perfectly all the way to heaven's shore. It's not that way at all. But God's people are that way, that oftentimes, that we have to find that there is a need for renewal and repentance, and confession in our lives. And it's that way that I remember as my Aunt Tilly was over 90 years old and she passed away. and She had wondered oftentimes in her life that why is she still here? And we just tried to assure her that God knows and He knows all things. But there was that one day when we got the call from the nursing home and it said that they called and said that Tilly has passed away. And Rick and I went to the, we went to the uh, nursing home to see her, and they had left her upon her bed there. And I, many of you probably remember her, and what a strong and healthy woman she was. And there was this crippled, frail lady laying on that bed. Just a twisted, broken body. And as I then was asked to speak at her funeral, and the thought came to my heart, farewell, dear sister of faith, that no more does your weary voice have to cry for forgiveness and assurance on this journey, as she often had to. And that's the way it is for God's people, isn't it? That we go through this life with many stumblings and many failings. But God, He tells us, and He reaches forth His hand, and He raises us up. And oftentimes, with a loud voice, we have to confess to one another, or maybe in whisperings. And we say that this is what I've been troubled in, and here's what I have been wrestling with. And it's so wonderful when we're able to speak one to another. Believe your sin forgiven. In the name and shed blood of Jesus, 
be assured that the at the end of our journey oftentimes of course individuals are different but often at the end of this journey and that's the way it seems for God's people is that we end this journey as beggars of grace we begin this Christian journey as beggars of grace and we will end it as beggars of grace and so it is that's such a wonderful place to be to know that we needed Jesus and we needed salvation and that we were able to go through this life being lifted up by the Lord and even through the message of salvation even from the other Christians from the body of believers where we're able to encourage one another in faith and belief always fixed upon that firm foundation which is none other than Jesus and his redemptive work when they then came into the ship the wind ceased and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him saying of a truth thou art the son of God storm was calmed and I don't always think that God changes the situation as he did here but he surely can but oftentimes it's that way that he changes our heart to face the situation but either way God is powerful and he is mighty he can change situation but more often than not he changes the heart of man so that we're strengthened and then it is as it says here that the wind ceases the effect of the storm is not felt anymore because we are close to our Savior and our Redeemer we are close to his heart of love and we feel we feel the strength that he has and the strength that he gives unto us and what happens then it says that they were in the ship came and worshipped him saying of a truth thou art the son of God it's just a testimony upon your heart and upon your tongue tonight that truly Jesus is the son of God that he is the one that has come to save you as it was when Jesus spoke unto those who were his followers and he asked who they were and some said that he was John the Baptist and some said that he was one of the prophets but then he said that but who do you say that I am and this same Peter spoke he said thou art the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus said unto him blessed art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you but my father which is in heaven if you have that assurance and that testimony within your heart today that Jesus is the son of God and that within your own being, maybe quietly here, you're able to worship him and thank him, then that is a gift of God. That's the Christmas gift that you have been able to receive, even unto your own heart's consolation and comfort even tonight. And may we be blessed in that and encouraged in that, that Jesus is the one that goes with us, even through the storms of life, even unto the eternal shore. And we ask his keeping for each one of us. Amen.